Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 5. I'm Jack. I'm ASD. Let's go straight into it. Lots to cover as always today. So yeah. let's start with that age-old debate. If now I was to offer you the FA Cup and sixth place in the league come the end of the season, or I was to offer you fourth spot and Champions League qualification for next season, what one are you taking right now? I've always been Champions League spot. Always. But I kind of want a trophy now. It's been so long. It's been 2008, and even then, that was the League Cup. So realistically, you know, I was four in 1991. Obviously, I wasn't remembering anything now. I'm yeah. not remembering anything. So I might actually take an FA Cup this time. And sixth place. Well, actually, if you offered it to me this year, because we're not going to get to the final this year, probably. You know, we're not going to beat last year. Actually, I don't mind a year out of it, because we'll get into it the following year. I, I fully believe that. So, yeah, give me an That's FA Cup, please. So your mindset's changed from it was Champions League and a now you bit, want the trophy. A little bit. Mine's gone the other way. And I'd be interested to hear why. It's just because I'm going to games less because I can't afford it and I can't afford the time. And so actually, when it was all about... Because, you know, fourth place was all about the performances week in, week out, whereas an FA Cup is just a couple of good games. Yeah. And so it, yeah. I'm, I'm less emotionally involved in the day-to-day as I was, yeah. I think. Yeah. My, my, my mindset's completely changed, so... Growing up, I've not seen us really win a lot. I'm 25. I've, yeah. not, I've not seen us win many trophies. I've never seen us in an FA Cup final in my lifetime, yeah, no. which is That's pretty, crazy. pretty mad. Yeah. Um, but I've always had the attitude of, you know, you, you get a trophy, even not a League Cup. That's massive. I was like, yeah. the League Cup now and the FA Cup means nothing. And there'll be yeah. some people hearing this, especially fans that watched Spurs in the 80s and saw, yeah. you know, back-to-back FA Cups. The FA Cup now means absolutely nothing in terms of attracting players, how much money the club's making. What do you get if you win the FA Cup? Barely anything. Compared to Champions League qualification, you can't compare the two financially. There is no comparison. What, what the FA Cup's amazing for are fans, don't get me wrong, I would love to see Tottenham win the FA Cup. Of yeah. course I would. And it's great for the homegrown players and for the group of players to like feel like they have actually won something, right? Yeah. But the FA Cup's not what it once was. And like I said, it's sad to say it. To, to what though? For financial purposes? Financial purposes, attracting players. Would, pa- would Paolo Dybala be more likely to join Tottenham in next season's summer yeah, yeah. if we've won the FA Cup and finished sixth or if we finished fourth? It's, it'd be if we finished fourth. But what's the point in Dybala coming? To win the trophies, to win the Champions League. The Premier League. League or the Champions League. That, they're the only two that matter. That's, they're the only two that matter anymore. Yeah, the FA Cup um, is still special. Now, for, su- and for supporters, I agree with that. that yeah. There are fans that will be listening to that probably screaming, being like, what are you saying? Yeah. But just look at over the last five years in the Premier League, all the top sides, look at the teams that are fielded by those sides in the FA Cup and the League Cup. It's such a, a competition that's not a priority. And you always get shocks, right? And in the League Cup, obviously, we went out. Bournemouth went out to Burton Albion. Yeah. Right? And that, but Bournemouth and like West Ham going out, and they're the sides that you'd often look at it and say, you've got such a great opportunity that you're comfortable in yeah. the Premier League. Why are you not going for a cup run? Because it's not important. That that yeah. That is ultimately what it comes down to. And managers... Managers now in the Premier League are only six games away from losing their job, which is insane. It's not even about if you're in a relegation battle. If someone at Everton, West Ham, lose six, seven games in a row, they'll, they'll be out of a job. Pochettino might survive it, but managers are looking at it and thinking, 
all right, I might lose to Burton Albion in Bournemouth's yeah. case, but if I then win three out of the next five in the league, people will have forgotten about that and it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, you look at the Leicester manager who won in the Premier League. And next season, and you, next you're season gone. gone. You're gone. That, that's disgraceful, frankly, but yeah. I think that the FA Cup and the League Cup are looked at in terms of the, a, a club's aim and what managers are set to target yeah. that in. If you can win one of them, great, but ultimately... The objective is this. That's a very Real Madrid way of looking at it. It's like you can win the league. The league is important to them, but the, the cup doesn't matter to them. It is The Champions League is all that matters. But we're not Real Madrid. We haven't won a cup. Like We can say like Dybala might never come. Rafa came because we were in the Champions League. That was guaranteed. Yeah. And, you know, Ndombele, who is looking like one of my favourite players, he met, would he have come if we weren't in the Champions League? Probably not. He wouldn't, he, he wouldn't have done. And, like, you look at Man United and Arsenal, yeah. and they really struggle. Like, Man United struggle to attract players. Yeah. It's and crazy, like, Which, you know, we're still attached to Man United, you and I, because uh, as we've grown up, United were the dominant force, right? But yeah. that... They're not anymore. No. If you were to look at a player that's 21, 22, an up-and-coming player, they would not see Man United as, as a massive a massive club. Of course they are, look at their history, but they haven't done anything since Ferguson left. And, and what's that, seven, eight years now? They've, they've been nowhere. Yeah. So if you're outside those Champions League spaces, I know you say you'd be you know, super confident we could jump back in, but you just have to be so careful because one year out all of a sudden becomes two and three and then, and then you're really far behind and yeah. it's tough to get those players. I'll tell you what, it's the, the Man City of, well, Chelsea started it, they complain about it now, but Man, and Man City, they've ruined football by just pumping, artificially inflating teams yeah. so they can just buy success. Like, I, I don't know how you can be happy as a City fan because you don't deserve any of that stuff. None of those players would be playing for it if it wasn't for this Arab money. Same with Chelsea and this criminal oil money. It's, it's got nothing to do with your club, your history. You're just another now colour of a shirt. Like the, There's no history in what they're doing. You can say you're creating history, but you're buying history. And so when I think about it too much, and when I go, actually, yeah, to compete, you just need money, and it, it's all about money it's rather than, you know going for glory which is what Spurs have always been then maybe yeah if we aspire to be Man City but then I do I want to be Man City and just make it all about the money no you know it's all about failing aiming high that sort of stuff but I don't think you can compete if you're failing aiming high yeah, and, 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 and the issue now as well is you will never get a Man City or a Chelsea ever again because of financial fair play like it, it can't happen well, they, well I it, just think they should well they, they shouldn't be able to do it now but they are you know uh, Barcelona million, hundreds of millions in debt they're still paying Messi's wages PSG it's now got to the point where the biggest club in the world you know Barcelona give or take um, can't afford to buy back a player because of the stupid deal they've done football's gone ridiculous I think we'll we will see more again of artificially inflated maybe not to the crazy levels but it'll happen again mm. It will happen again. And I think what, what the situation with football's in now, if you look across all the major leagues in Europe, the elite side's just becoming more elite. Yeah, like, yeah. The Premier League is probably the only league at the moment across Europe where you're thinking you could get a new side, could maybe break into that, that yeah. top four, top six spot. That everywhere else, in, oh. everywhere else across Europe, you, you just, you're just not getting it anymore. Not... I'm a little bit concerned about the state of football at the moment in terms of it has massively, massively changed. And as supporters, I mean, you, you, that level of passion will never go away. And of course, you'll always end up caring. But I think 
I definitely feel a lot more of just sort of like a number now. Whereas like before, you felt like you had like a proper impact on on football. Obviously, you know deep down you don't, but it just feels like with all of the stuff that's going on with money, like eventually you will get priced. Some a fan that's been there for twenty five years will get priced out of going to Tottenham, right? Yeah. Which is awful. It should never happen. But from a club's point of view, that's fine because there's someone else that'll come yeah, pay yeah. a ticket, and like that. That's sort of what football's becoming to supporters now yeah. just a lot more detached from it and I love the new stadium but there's a lot of people that say they prefer the old one yeah. because it means like you know that was like the place for the fans it's sort of like I get that but also we need, obviously we need this beautiful new stadium yeah, yeah. to evolve and get to the next level but with that comes all the stuff the that changes. maybe proper fans are like I don't want this this isn't this yeah, isn't yeah. this isn't football for me the old Tottenham is gone the the benefit for season tickets uh, used to be it was the same group who would be supporting the club passionately mm. they'd get behind the club now we've got a waiting list that's like you know 100,000 people the benefit of a season ticket for Spurs is guaranteed income whereas actually they don't need that because they've got a waiting list mm. and they've got they sell out most games although they didn't sell out on Saturday um, so all a season ticket is is guaranteed revenue what they'd much rather is a, is a, is a ground full of tourists who fill their bags at the shop and then stay an hour after the whistle, drinking and eating, and where they make loads of revenue. We are relying on a profit and loss sheet, and it's really sad, and it feels that way in the ground. You know, you're when you were at White Hart Lane, even proximity. When you were up, like you sat on the north stand, but I don't have as much experience. But you know, I was on the south stand and occasionally on the east stand. If you were just about to go in the door of the south stand, like the first place where Tottenham stops you from getting the ground, where they change yeah. you, whatever, you were about twenty meters away from the pitch. Yeah. Now you're stopped twenty minutes or twenty meters away from the gate by security then you get in then you get into the ground then you have to pass the bars then you have to go through more security then you hit the pitch it's 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 now the it's the arsonification of spurs frankly you see that's really interesting because my my fan experience hasn't massively changed in the new ground like i'm in the south stand and i get in on it and it's it has that that old school feel of you know the old white hot lane where basically you couldn't move yeah. if you were where the bar yeah, was yeah, where yeah. Sort of, it was just packed it still has that feeling to me like i've not even been to the other stand so mm. i don't know what it's like there um but i just think it's interesting how much football is changing and it's definitely over the last five years become a lot more business orientated and commercial rather than ultimately you know what fans go to do is watch their team win and what happens on the field is the main thing but it's not really that anymore and it's just it's just interesting to see how much the sport has changed. Yeah. Well, it's it's the same in all the big clubs. The so Liverpool fans are feeling the same. United fans yeah. are feeling the same. If you're a big team where you get loads of tourists or lots of people, and there's nothing wrong with being a tourist. We've both been tourists in Spanish clubs. In yeah, all it's amazing. World, and it's yeah. great. But what I wanted from Tottenham has gone, and I have to deal with that. And I'm doing that by not going, and that's the only way. It's but then, change. but then on the flip side, can you argue that you have to change and evolve and become yeah, yeah, this type absolutely. of club if you want that? Absolutely. If you want to win the Premier League or the Champions League, unless you have, a, unless there's a crazy Leicester season, yeah, no, which really is a one a one off because look, they since they've won the league, they're now they've had to build for four or five years to even like think about challenging yeah, the top yeah, yeah. six. We so. were the last one of the top so you've got Man United in their massive stadium, Arsenal in their massive stadium, Chelsea in their big stadium but they they've got loads of money being pumped in, City being pumped in, Liverpool in their massive stadium with loads of money. So that's five clubs. So we're battling against them and we were the last one with a thirty thousand seat stadium and just making buy on money of player sales and a little bit from Enoch. 
like we were the anomaly that's gone now so what yeah. we wanted was not feasible in the long term yeah. and Spurs were right to change it and if you have a look at all like the NFL is like this you know the NFL sells out and the tickets cost hundreds of dollars it's life yeah. I just it's not life it's not going to be my life I could go down Stevenage or Luton they're closer yeah. to me but it's not they're it's flying not, Luton as well aren't they they are Doing flying great. in relatively speaking but it's yeah. not going you know I remember the Europa League tickets it was 20 quid and you'd get to watch Bale and Defoe yeah. and Modric and it was amazing and that was anomalous but paying 90 quid to go watch Spurs buying I'm, like, I'm fine without it I'll watch it or listen to it Do you, and, you know what I think this also just confirms like the importance of Pochettino and the job that he's done in terms of if he hadn't have done what he did in those seasons at Wembley and got yeah. us Champions League and got us that, that extra money coming in, can you imagine if those two Wembley seasons we'd finished seventh and eighth and yeah. we were now, we would be stuck because yeah. we would have all of the facilities in the stadium of a top Champions League side. We wouldn't be in there. Yeah. We wouldn't have the money to then go and get the players to break back in. And yeah. it would be basically the situation City were in before they were taken over where the yeah. facilities are amazing. It's half full. And, and I it's think without fun. Pochettino, that you know we we wouldn't be where we are, Mate, and I'm... we're so lucky that sort of everything that happened before his appointment happened and the timing and all that. Because this, can can you imagine? This is my point. Can you imagine what it would be like yeah, now? This is the point on the the Arsenalification. Like Arsenal, there's a lot of parallels between Spurs and Arsenal. Like as much as we hate it, but there's a lot of fans who are both idiots. They're very emotionally invested. Both big teams at different periods in history. You know, we both got both had iconic players. The two greatest clubs from London, without a doubt. Yeah. They did what we did 10, 15 years before us. They survived with not much money, being pumped into the club when they were new with the ground. They increased in the ground, brought more tourists and more people, but not people from the local area, more just generic fans, yeah. which is fine. But the atmosphere at the Emirates comes from watering down the crowds, which is exactly what's going to happen at Spurs. On the weekend, there was a, um, you know those away day Twitter feeds, which are like... Those I, know, I know, I know exactly where you're going with this. And yeah. it, they showed a video of, they called it the Tottenham Wall, and everyone, it was just a video of the, the a, a thing behind the wall during the, pallet, uh, during the Southampton game, and it was dead silent. And that, like, they wanted that to be the rowdy palace-like end or the Dortmund wall, and it's not because we have to sit down. You're spending, you have to, you have to spend seventy quid to go sit there, and it's it's a nightmare. So my uh, two two points on that. So firstly, the South Stand, the wall, has become an iconic thing at Tottenham, right? Yeah. Atmosphere aside for one second, and if you're a tourist, you're going there and you're thinking, I want to go in that yeah, stand. The architecture, that's, though. That, yeah, that's a problem. Well. Yes and no. I feel like if you if you're a supporter and you're going to Tottenham now, you're like, I want to experience the stadium I understand. there. It's like the clock end at Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Stratford end at Old Trafford. Yeah, like if you're going to a, a ground, that's where I want yeah, to yeah. sit. Which your point on watering down the real fans. Yeah. It, that, that's that's completely valid there. I would argue. Think back to the old stadium. It would never have been bouncing for Southampton at home. That that's the point. And there's a lot you're of people right. that are giving. All these modern stadiums stick, and it's like I think if you go to like any old school grounds that still be like Goodison, right? Yeah, Great yeah. atmosphere, but Everton, Southampton, I bet it's not rocking. No, you're right. And, and I think that people forget, and even Palace. I've never been to Palace before, but there's just no way that every game you're going to have that bounce, the electric atmosphere. 
Tonight we've got Bayern. Yeah. That will be rocking. Yeah, and yeah. I think that I don't necessarily think that that's the stadium's fault. I just think that sort of it, the the nature of the game plays a massive impact on what the atmosphere is like. And we're we're a big we're we're a big side now. So whereas before, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, Southampton at home might have been a bigger game for us because yeah, actually yeah. it's like yeah. we're on a level playing field. Now it's not. Um, it's complacency partly for supporters, but you're never, you're never going to get that absolutely insane Man City atmosphere that we had in the yeah, Champions yeah, League yeah. For, for Southampton at home. And I, I think that's the same for all the top sides. So I think we're almost arguing the same point in that I, I 100% agree. So, you know, my seat was block 35, South stand yeah. and we'd be standing the whole time. We wouldn't be singing. A lot of people would be moaning the whole time. And not I'm, a lot's changed. Not a lot's changed. And so what I'm not doing is I'm having a go at the fans. I'm having a go at the intention of the ground. Yeah. If it like if the whole point of that was about atmosphere and about having it was always about the buying, copying buying. If the model was never going to be that, then they had to add something to that to make it even more concentrated or great like that. The steward is the weird thing. The steward's getting people to sit. That really does kill yeah. parts of the atmosphere. But where I, I am in the south stand, I'm actually, I'm in the, the lower part of it, so where the safe standing yeah. approved area is. And I haven't once this season been told to sit down. No. So I, I know they're doing it for the people at the top yeah. where it's, it's steep. It's steep, it's steep, steep. in its seat. So I, 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 I sort of get and I sort of don't. I know that they have a duty with health and safety and all yeah, of that, yeah. and if somebody falls, that, but, that's but that, and, and I think that you have to feel sorry a little bit for the stewards because if yeah, someone yeah. does fall and break their neck, that steward yeah. is the one that's going to get Look, done for it. This is not about the situation as it is right now. I don't blame the fans, I don't blame the stewards. It's the intention. If that was meant to be rocking, then you don't build it so steep. But you don't. But their priority was everyone gets to say a, a good view, which is like you're in a theatre and everyone needs to have a good view of the show. And it, that it's Spurs' intention realistically is to get as many people in, um, whilst balancing the atmosphere. Obviously, there is yeah. a thing for the fans. I'm not saying Spurs don't care about the fans, but the majority of it is increasing on match day revenue, and they clear more than a million pounds before the mm. match with the whistle Just on sausage rolls. On sausage yeah, rolls, yeah. and that's great for them. It's but it's not what I want. It's not the Spurs that I want, so I'm I'm not going. And that that's fine it's because it means that there's space for someone younger with more fluid cash, who is more passionate, frankly, who isn't as tired as I am, who can go and do it. And I love them for it. You know, it's it's just that's the way it is. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've ever oh, seen a player make during a game? So this one from Loris was, uh, I think that that's a moment in that the game against Southampton the weekend yeah. that I will, I will never forget it. And the, the shock was just another level. And it was like the whole South Stand just went, yeah. <gasps> as he did it. Because you could see it coming. You could really see it coming. It wasn't even like um, a well-disguised attempted Cruyff turn. Yeah, yeah. It was so obvious what he was about to do. Yeah. And people, I've, that's probably the craziest I've ever seen people go at an individual mistake, ever, going to football. I've really? never seen reactions like it. You would have thought yeah. that when that went in, we were relegated. Yeah. Like, some of the reactions was just, I mean, I was angry yeah. and was thinking, you know, what are you doing? But some of it was just another level. People seem to be way more emotional. It might be just a, a series of the times where people just react more and they think they've got a right to react more. I think it's because opinion is becoming stronger in society. There's a lot of frustrated There's a lot of frustrated people. people so, and particularly in football, which football used to be a, a place where you know, working class people go and get their frustrations out and it was a place where men could sing you know, and they could be emotional. And now that's slowly being taken away as it becomes more professional and clean. And, and that's great because it means more families can come and it's, and it's less aggressive and blah, blah, blah. But 
You just miss going to football and headbutting someone on the Saturday, don't you? I miss swearing at people. I remember making a Man United fan when the game where we were one nil down and we went, we scored three goals in seven minutes. Like Toby, that was three nil. That game, oh three nil, three nil, yeah, yeah. And we were targeting a Man United fan because we were running about twenty minutes away from it, and he got so angry, got taken out by the stewards halfway through the game, and that was amazing. That would never happen now, and that's what I miss. the mistakes I've got that thing where I remember in, um, in when I did psychology at A level they talked about um, witness statements and about how reliable they are about how much they actually remember versus how much is what they think they remember yeah. and I've got so much of that um, like what, was it a Walker back pass against Arsenal or it was a, a full back back I think it was at Walker and someone went in to score I can't remember any single big mistake apart from stupid back passes which I can't think of any momentous I remember Loris doing this before when he first signed do you remember it was a Europa League game it was one of his first games for us and he tried taking a forward on and got tackled and they scored that was when he was way more like sweeper keeper he's not that sweeper keeper the one the one that breaks my heart the the worst goal the one I can't watch so I haven't watched the Champions League again since Mm. we were there um the one goal is away at the Emirates. We just conceded. the The game is showing the oh, replay. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? And Fabregas, they stopped the replay just because we're meant to have taken kickoff. Fabregas, he was in. Wasn't he, was he? he was in, in the box. box. Yeah. Like, what are you doing there? And he scored. And that was because he just let someone let him rob him. And he went through Ledley King as he, if ran, he, wasn't he ran past three of them, didn't he? And it, that was that is the worst because that's not even a mistake but that's a mistake someone should have broken his amazing little side story on that so I was watching that with Mr L Senior at the time and it was right on half time their first goal we were so close to getting in at nil-nil which would have been massive for us and they score and he he, he walks off my dad and was like stormed off was like whatever going to make a drink or whatever and then as he came back in Bang, 2 0. Literally, as it, and I'll never forget it, as it walked back in, and the rage, the rage, it was just like, it actually made it easier for me to deal with the fact that it got 2 0, because I just remember his face and thinking, oh, someone's going to get killed in a minute. Oh, God. Um, horrific, wasn't it? When, what year was that, do you reckon? Uh, the 3 0. That, oh, I reckon 2009, maybe? Fine. Roughly. Um, let's yeah, talk about yeah. that, that Spurs-Southampton game of the weekend then. so brilliant brilliant game to be at amazing atmosphere it felt like a derby this is where me and you were very similar it felt like a derby yeah. um, it was so so good it was intense it was aggressive it was yeah. like exactly what in my opinion the Premier League is all about yeah. um, Southampton you know came with a game plan to win as well which yeah. I, I respect that in, so they didn't come and, and have 11 men behind the ball and play for nil-nil they were all they were pressing us from minute one. Um, I don't actually think that we started the game too well. We looked we looked nervous, especially at the back, and we were playing it around. And Southampton were pressing us, and it was just it was all a little bit nervy. Um, but we got in front with the first goal, and at one nil, everything calmed down. Yeah. And you're thinking, right, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. right, we've got this. And now. it was a good goal. It's a lovely well. goal. So, and lovely that, goal. That, it's like we're, it's a goal where you're in control and the fans know that and so yeah. it's a different feeling. Excellent goal and there were some lovely bits to play throughout the game from Mdombele, little flicks and linking the play pretty well and driving forward with it. So at 1-0 you're thinking, right, okay, we're in, a, we're in a good position here, we needed that first goal. Aurea picks up his first yellow card, which in the heat at the moment, I actually thought he might have been in a little bit more trouble because I'm in the south stand so I was sort of looking across the pitch at that yeah. and just saw him like scissor style, yeah, yeah, take yeah. someone out from behind thinking... Always, you know, I couldn't quite see, but I was like, that didn't look right. Yeah. Saw he'd got a yellow, so thinking, oh, maybe he's got away with that. 
couple of minutes later. Yeah. I mean, it's some. It's, there are some Spurs fans that are saying it was soft. It is a second yellow card. It is. Hands down, every single time you do that, you will get a book in. If you pull yeah. a player back who's running away yeah. from you into your half, it was a stonewall second yellow card. Crazy defending, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, you just, you know, you, you think that the point of the, what it was in the game was like seven, eight minutes to half time. Like yeah, he's making yeah. a bursting overlapping run. It's sort of like, it's the game management thing, isn't it? But yeah. it did feel very much like we were watching Carl Walker again with that, that decision making. Exactly right. um, so that happens and you're down to 10 and you're thinking, right, okay, now this is a game. And mm. because it, it, in my view, it wasn't a controversial red card, but some fans thought it was, that like alienated them and that added to the, the tension and the yeah. aggressive, hostile atmosphere. And then a minute later, Loris does what he does. And that was, it was just like, right, okay, we're, everything is against us now in this game. Yeah, yeah. Can you respond? Yeah. And they responded magnificently. Don't get me wrong, there were periods where we were sloppy with the ball and all that, but we defended fantastically. The Kane goal to put us 2 1 up, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Counter attacking goal. I thought he'd fluffed it yeah. with the heavy touch. It's good, didn't it? Um, he? The good. finish is just so clinical. It reminded me of Bale's last goal for us. Do you remember where his first touch just comes up and there's no problem? Control, yeah. couple of touches and bang. So, so clinical. Um, and He's then, good, didn't he? Uh, that, that for me, that's the best I've seen Harry Kane play for six months. He was so, so good. He led the line, he was aggressive. We played, especially in the second half, a lot more balls up to him. Yeah. And he held everything. Absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. And it would be like, we'd be defending for three or four minutes, we'd clear it, and he'd win us a free kick on the halfway line. Yeah. And it's just little bits of play like that that you're like, that is what you need at your yeah. centre forward at that point in the game. Um, he linked the play, he you took his goal them, brilliant. You, you he want was just one to stay by the box, and then you want one to do the passing and the holding up. He's unbelievable. You can, you can see why, and Pochettino said this, quite a few years ago now that he always believes Kane's best position is not as a number nine it's no, as yeah. a ten it's yeah. linking the play and it's sort of like you watch him play like that and you think yeah. wow but obviously there's nobody anywhere near him that can do the level of the number nine work so yeah. that's why he, he plays in that a, position he's just too good at so yeah. many things um, even we, if you had somebody that was like 15% not as good at him playing as a number nine like yeah, you yeah. know what a partnership but can we talk about Winks Winks had a so we we have the same view, we also have differing view yeah. on Winks, that you love him and I love you think him. he's going to be the man. He's not without fault, but I love him. And I think he's a good player, but is he going to, is he what, if you want to win the Premier League, is he going to be in, your, in the centre of, centre of the park? Yeah. I'm still not sure on that, but he's a good player. Um, I saw a different side to him in, in the second half against Southampton, yeah. which was really like, wow, this guy's really maturing as a player. And he didn't have the ball in the second half. And Harry Winks' game is... Give him the ball. Yeah, he makes yeah. things tick. He plays, takes in toes. He's brilliant. He didn't have the ball the whole second half. Mm. He become a defensive midfielder that was sniffing out danger, getting people back into position. Like he he was running that, that mm. midfield free. He was the one screaming at people to get across and cover. Yeah, yeah. It was fantastic to see. Absolutely fantastic. And then when Dyer came on, the two of them in there that were just working together and were just stopped Southampton doing anything and they didn't create anything Southampton yeah. they had the free kick good save the header from Rashida great save amazing um, made up for his mistake because that saved the goal which no other def- goalkeeper so have. right so this is where I don't quite agree it's sort of like <laughs> yes he makes up for his mistake if you directly say he made two great saves and one mistake so therefore yeah. he's in the positive but my argument is those two saves he made 
great saves. You should be doing it. My, my, a goalkeeper who has won the World Cup and just got Champions League final should be making those well, saves. Won the World Cup while doing something very, very similar. similar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, actually. Um, so I get that point and I agree that he Loris reacted very, very well in the second half because that could have been him done. Yeah, yeah. Like he could have just completely fallen away. Yeah. And he's obviously strong mentally that he can, he can come back yeah. from making an error like that. But I still expect my goalkeeper... If you're a goalkeeper of Tottenham, to be pulling out saves where you're like, that was a certain yeah, goal and he yeah, saved yeah. it. That's okay. that's the level I think that you've that you've got I, to be at. Yeah, I think there was some stat about expected goals. I'm still a little bit wary about expected goals. It seems I like I don't the, know what that means. Yeah, it's it's a full formula for like I could show you a graph basically, yeah. um, and it, it, he has stopped the most. He's the, he's the second best keeper according to what he's faced so far. Yeah. So um, he's an outstanding keeper, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. But yeah, fine, whatever. Um, the, the difference for me between Loris, who is a good goalkeeper, and those real top ones is just the number of mistakes. And, like every goalkeeper makes mistakes. David de Gea is probably the best keeper in the world. He's made mistakes. He's made mistakes. Yeah. Edison, Allison, you know, they're all top goalkeepers. Every keeper is going to make a mistake every now and then, and you sort of have to accept that as human. But the thing with Loris is just the volume of the high-profile errors. That's yeah. the thing, and it's it's not maybe like one a season, it's like three or four, sometimes even a little bit more than that. But sure I, think, that I think that's what separates him from being talked about with the, the real, real top keepers in I the remember, world. You remember, I mean, it's a different time for keepers because the, the great, if I think about the greatest keepers I've seen in my life, Schmeichel, not the current one, his dad, and then like Oliver Kahn. Like, Oliver yeah. Kahn, I remember, I think he was in goal for Istanbul, wasn't he? And you go, oh no, it was Dida in goal, similar. Um, and there you go, you can't get past them. They're yeah. just massive presences. That's not yeah. what they do anymore. They're game, they have to do so much more yeah. than the same way fullbacks do now. And I've, I'm not going to see him defend him because he has... I will sit here and defend him. He does make mistakes and he's not the greatest keeper of all time, but he is... He's a good goalkeeper. Apart from Jennings, he might be the greatest keeper we've ever had. He's a good goalkeeper and for me, I I would rather have... He's levels above Gazaniga. That's you know that's not that's not a question, but it is a case of if a player's in bad run of form, then yes, you have to talk about it. The other thing with Loris is he's thirty one, maybe I'm going to say, which is the he's sort of in that middle ground of he's not a modern day keeper, but he's not that old school keeper. And like goalkeepers now that are coming through that are 22, 23, you think of like you think of like a Jordan Pickford, right? Yeah. Amazing with his feet because he's been brought up that as a goalkeeper, this is how you have to play. Yeah. Whereas Loris probably still just falls into that old school goalkeeper that that's not your your I main your main job it's shot stopping yeah, and I which think, is why I think he I don't think he's necessarily adapted that brilliantly to the I modern way of playing his, his distribution's bad I think he is a modern keeper is bad because that sweeper keeper thing is a very modern or it was it was in fashion five years ago it's not as much anymore can you remember the heart attacks where there'd be a ball over the top and you just <laughs> see him come <laughs> steaming out of goal and you'd be like what are you doing <laughs> yeah. uh, last nice one end on ballet I, he's going to be. I think. I think he's looking good. Man of the match. He's a boss. I think he's looking good. Um, we need. You, I don't. We can't. We can't fully judge him on exactly what he's no. going to be until January. We can judge him on how he's played so far. I think he's done okay so far. Great against Southampton. The couple of games before that, where I was a little bit like, mm, not back sure. From injury. But he was coming back from injury, so we time will tell with him. Yeah. Um, can't wait for Lucelso to come back. That would have been a perfect yeah. game where. Southampton would have been camped in our half and you just give him a bit of space. Yeah, it would have been brilliant. One thing I just want to touch on on Southampton was the middle of the, midway through the second half, um, substitution, Lamella's coming on and Sun's number went up. 
and there was a lot of negativity in the ground and I was even a little bit like oh I'm not sure yeah. about that because I was like that's a counter attack like yeah. we'll win it back we'll break with Sun I was a little bit like oh I'm not sure that was the best substitution yeah. that was in, in uh, the tactical awareness not from Pochettino to make that sub and fans look at that and think we're, we're done on the break now we've lost our pace we gained control of the game with yeah. 10 men he's brilliant for that that purpose and he was so so good Lamella when he came on keeping the ball yeah. winning us three kicks nicking it back yeah. he, he was he was excellent he's great and that was a really really great substitution from Pochettino and he changed he changed personnel but changed it tactically it freed Ericsson up and we then had more possession in the last 20 minutes of the game just from those yeah. little tweaks and I thought that was really, really good. And a lot of the time he, he gets criticised for his substitutions or lack of changing it tactically, but that was absolutely bang on. Great. Great, great, great. A massive win for us. And tonight we've got Bayern Munich. Yeah, just which, a little bit. Um, oh, I can't wait for that. I mean, it's going to be weird hearing the Champions League music again because the last time we heard it, you know, we were in Spain, I'm in Madrid so watching it. The Champions League is back and the last game we played is not the Champions League final anymore because I haven't really thought about it. And it, it makes me legitimately upset when I... Uh, when I do think it is, it is weird, isn't it? Because you think, and again, without trying to sound like I've got the small club mentality, the chances of seeing Spurs in a Champions League final again are so slim, yeah. so, so slim, that it still doesn't really even feel real that we have experienced it. Yeah. So imagine what it would have been like if we'd have won. Yeah, don't. Look, tonight's a massive game. Bayern Munich are one of the European giants of the game. So for us to be playing them at the new yeah. stadium, it, it's going to be United amazing. Of- Germany, they yeah. are huge. It's going to be amazing. Very, very good side. There's a lot of people saying Bayern aren't the team they once were. They're still a quality, quality yeah. side. Um, it's going to be tough. If we can win this game, that puts us in such a fantastic position in terms of qualification from the group. Yeah. I don't think a draw would be too sad. Um, the main thing really in the Champions League is if you can if you can take seven points from your three home games, yeah. you're in a very good position of going yeah, through. Yeah. If you can take nine, then you'll almost certainly get through. So it's going to be tough. We're going to have to play very, very well. Um, the team is amazing. Lewandowski, Coutinho, Jerome Boateng, Muller, Noah, Pavard, Kimmich, Alcantara, Kingsley Coman, Perisic, Alaba. Like, and Serge Nabry is tearing it up. Yeah, there's a lot of good players there's in there. There's a lot of good players. But then I always feel like we, we look more dangerous against the better side in terms of going we forward. Do. We talked about this last week. And, and, I, and I hope that we approach it with that sort of counter-attacking mentality, which is going to be sitting, be difficult to play against. But when we get the ball, let's really punish them. Yeah. Um, Son's got a great record, hasn't he, against German side. So it'll be great to see him there if he starts yeah, yeah, him tonight. Yeah. But I'm confident, but I think it's going to be a tight game. Yeah. I think it might end up being a score draw. We might nick it, but I think it's going to be one of those games that's just on the knife edge for 90 minutes. It's going to be... It, and it, it, it's one of those ones where I, anything could happen. We, yeah. Like, it, Lewandowski and Kane is an amazing matchup. Yeah. It's, it should be great. It should be really good. It's a shame we're not fully, fully at full strength, but I think we could play a really decent team. Yeah. You know, because what's-his-face can play. Um, Aurea can play. So we've got a right back. I think, on this thing, I'll talk about this or not. I'd be really surprised if Aurea's not playing tonight. That would be crazy. Because it can't be Carl Walker-Peters and Sissoko should never be on a pitch again for Spurs. Even though he's got a new contract. And we'll- he'd done a great job at right back against Southampton. He'd done, he'd done a great job. But Mike. Southampton for an hour at right back versus... Bayern Munich for 90 there's no Very there's, there's, there's no comparison yeah. Sissoko would be in my side tonight no question about that whatsoever where? but I'd be playing in the middle and have him where he's been playing in that two with 
Winks and Dembele just in front. Yeah, that, that, it, it'll go with the diamond pots, you know, because that's the formation that he really likes. So Soko on the right of it, protecting the right back. It has to be Aurier. Like yeah, yeah, Kim Hayden, it has to be. It, 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 I would be really, really shocked. It's going to be 2-0 to Spurs. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, that would, be, that would be amazing and puts us in an incredible position. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for 2-2. Um, Desmond, yeah, I think it will be. I just, I, I think it will be a game that's that's on the knife edge the whole way through. It, the more I think about how crazy the Champions League was last year, it was mental. Like PSV, we disgraced ourselves. It was PSV, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. we were, we were gone in, in halfway through. In 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 near enough every game we were playing, we're thinking we're out. Yeah. We're doing enough all the way through, apart yeah. from when we hammered Dortmund. That was the only game. It was, and we we got what two 0 at our place or three three nil three nil at our place. And we were like, what is going yeah. on here? And but all the away. all the other games, you were just thinking. Even after we beat City in the first league, you're thinking one nil's not enough. No, like we'll go out to see your favourite. And then they and then score after like ten minutes. That's it. Minutes. And then you're three 0 down. Why? And it was just like we were just down <laughs> and out every round. Uh, it's hilarious. Right. Well, yeah, we'll see. But I'm I'm excited for the Champions League to be back. It'll I be think great. it'll be great under the lights tonight. Fantasy football update. Yeah, I've got it oh, up as well. I'm dreading this. Come Absolutely on, dreading man. it. Your top. Yeah. Pochettino's tears. <laughs> so, I, I don't know how. I've had a really good time. I'm not top of our rugby, not our, but the rugby one I'm in as well. But I am smashing this. I've never been good at this. You've always been better than me. Uh, I didn't have a particularly good week and Cheyenne Smith is catching up with me. But, you know. I am climbing the, the places. I played my wild card two weeks ago. I was at one point thirty third in the league. I've now climbed to eighteenth. I am only sixty points behind you. So the way my team's firing at the moment, I'm confident I can make that make that time up. Um, do you want me to have a week off, or because, <laughs> or um, I might just do a stat on Abbas and just put a load of Arsenal players in. Yeah, um, just to bump myself up. The I'd be interested to hear what the listeners think. Should we dump people with Arsenal players? Because like I think Stato's... and should we stop talking to them altogether as well? well do you feel that strongly? Definitely about? for one of them. Um, so if you're not in the league, get yourselves in there. We can't have ASD top for too much longer because no, it's, I can't it's, unbearable. No. it's unbearable. It's unbearable. I'm getting a lead up here. There we go. I'll suppose it out. Um, we've got Brighton at the weekend as well. Yeah, nice. We'll talk about that. I mean, that that should be should be a routine win for us. That's the kind of game that you could probably do with at the moment. Brighton are different this year. They play a lot more football. They're not the Chris Hewton side that would sit in and be difficult to play against. I think we'll we should win that. I think it'll be 3-0. I think 4-0. Like, these are the teams we, we, will, we will demolish. I think it'll be a very, very edgy 2-1. And um, we're just there not enjoying it. Is it it's a way? It's a way, yeah. It's just oh, about, you know, for me, if we can go and get a clean sheet yeah. uh, and win 1 or 2 nil, absolutely fantastic. Belly back in, we'll be fine. Now, I haven't prepared a quiz this week, but you have. I have. During the recording time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do our transfers in and out, but that would be very boring. So I've got one of these, uh, what do we call it? We Are Tottenham Hotspur. The We Are Tottenham Hotspur quiz, where uh, what we do is I read out a team from a particular game in the past obviously and um, yeah, mate, we'll, we'll do it for future <laughs> games you've got all 11 wrong sorry and um, I'm going to miss out I've got five players missing okay and so the game I have chosen is Arsenal 3 Tottenham 0 oh, from 2009 it's that game oh. and I've actually lost the team but I remember who who, uh, who it was and so what I want you to do is tell me who is missing? So in goal, we had Jorelio Gomez, the love of my life. 
Uh, right back. I'd let you. Yeah. <laughs> Emma hates me. Fair <laughs> <laughs> enough. Aurelio uh, Gomez, and then I had Choluca. Yeah. Someone in uh, in the centre back partnership yeah. with Ledley King. Yeah. And then Benoit Asuicotto. Oh God. Then Asuicotto is always in these teams, isn't it? <laughs> this is because they're from my yeah. era. Uh, actually, this is a little bit before my era. Then I've got two central midfielders I need. Okay. Plus a right midfielder. Okay. And I've got another one. I've got Janus in there somewhere, but there's a lot of centre midfielder actually yeah. in here. So I think Janus is the left. And then I've got Crouch and someone okay. up top. So centre half, Dawson? Uh, centre half is not Dawson. Not Dawson. Um, we were actually fourth when we won this. Were we? When we lost this. Yeah. Centre midfielders, we've got Jinx in there. Palacios. Palacios is the one I thought you might, might not get. Yeah, because yeah. this, this is Redknapp, isn't it? This is yeah. Redknapp era. Yeah. Um, other centre midfielder, genius in there, Tom Huddleston. Tom Huddleston is the other centre... Because Fabric, Fabregas went round him on the goal. Yeah, it took him about half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still, Huddleston's actually still going back to the halfway line to kick off again. Yeah. Um, then I need a right midfielder, Aaron Lennon. No. Uh, David Bentley. David Bentley. Oh, this geez. is a dreadful side, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely it's dreadful. Go away to the Emirates. Um, so I'm missing a centre back and a striker. Striker, and it was Crouch up top, was yeah. it? With somebody, Pavlichenko. No, he came on for this striker, and he's not the foe either. Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. I thought we would have gone by then. And then I need the other centre half. He always comes up in these quizzes because we always seem to forget him a little bit. Um, so it wasn't Dawson. This was pre-Galas. Cabal? Nope. So Cabal. I think we got him from Newcastle. The new Ledley King. Oh, the song. song yeah. Uh, substitutes. Oh, Button. You remember that was it, David Button? Bloody Hutton, man. Bale, Dawson, Woodgate, Cranshaw. Why is Bale Pavlich. not playing in that game? He's got his number three, so I'm assuming this is before. He's a left-back He's a left-back, yeah. Um, God, yeah, that was a bad game, that. They I mean, had Almunia, yeah. Sanya, Vermaelen, Galas, Clichy, Diaby, Fabregas, Song, Arshavin, Van Persie and Bentner. Like, Even their side's not amazing, side's is it? Not. Their midfield's good. But um, it goes Van Persie, 42 minutes, Fabregas, 43 minutes. And did Van Persie get the third as well? Yeah, good knowledge. Yeah, dreadful. Painful, painful, painful. Dreadful. Um, good quiz, that, though. I enjoyed that. Um, anything else? Uh, no, like, I don't want to be. I don't want to come across as too negative. This isn't anti Spurs, anti Spurs fans. It's just a bit of this is the sign of the times, and we have to get used to it. We have to manage our expectations. And like, if you're a listener, let us know how you're feeling as a Spurs fan, especially if you're a Spurs fan yeah. that that's not based in the UK. What is it like? Have you seen a change? in Tottenham over the last three or four years yeah. as a fan watching from overseas. And what what's the coverage of Spurs like where you are and how much does that impact how many other Spurs fans you've got? Let, let us know. Yeah. And remember, whatever happens this week, future's bright, future's lily white, come on you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football and I always thought that football was a very important game but I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock.
the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.